الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله يرزق من يشاء بغير حساب سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم So we're continuing with our series <coughs> the first uh, session was on we're talking about the 10 habits of highly effective believers the first was on the importance of waking up early the second session was on the importance of our personal hygiene and uh, personal um, grooming and cleanliness. Yesterday's session we talked, <coughs> excuse me, yesterday's session um, we talked about, what did we talk about yesterday? We talked about reading, reading. reading. yeah, we talked about the importance of um, reading on a daily basis, right? Just this, how this is a habit of people that are highly effective. Today we're going to talk about um, budgeting budgeting. Um, it's interesting because if we look at uh, finances and how people deal with their finances, at least in this country, uh, the American Psychological Association, every year they do this survey, uh, asking what are the things that cause the most stress for people? What are the things that cause the most stress for people? And year after year, after year after year, the number one reason that people say is a cause of stress in their lives is wealth, is, is, their, is their finances. Um, and it's interesting because we live in a very wealthy country. And uh, what's interesting is that the answer to this question uh, is the same across all income groups. So it's not dependent on how much money I earn um, or how much money I possess. I perceive wealth as the greatest stressor, at least the average American does. Um, you know, in this country, the number one cause of divorce filings, ultimately, and marital strife, is has to do with finances. So again, the idea isn't that people aren't making money; it's that people don't know how to handle money, and they don't know how to budget their money. Now, we're very fortunate as believers because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Quran and through the example of the Prophet has outlined many principles when it comes to how to deal with our finances. And it is de-stressing for us. It provides an avenue by which we can make sense of our finances. And it, uh, it even directs us as to where we should put our finances. You know, we, we have several cognitive principles that come from the Qur'an that, that are beliefs for us. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna Allah man hisab, That Allah ta'ala gives his rizq to whomever he wills without any account. Right? I mean, that, that concept and that principle, it's so unique to our deen uh, that it, you know, we really understand it. It's like, wow. Right? That we should spend from the wealth that is given to us. Right? That this idea that wealth is not something that we earn, it's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. So, you know, the reason that um, we struggle in general with our finances, again, not dealing with the earning side, is because we, we want our wealth, and so does uh, the rest of society. 
right? Okay, I want you to think about this. If, I, if I'm healthy today, if I'm healthy tomorrow, it really doesn't affect other people. So, so what? Most people, most companies, it doesn't matter to them if my health is taken away. I mean, they want us to stay healthy. For the most part, they want us to do well. If we think about all the blessings we're given, um, if we think about the, our time, you know, it's not that big of a deal if, if we have free time. No one's really vying for the time that we have because they can't take it from us. But when it comes to wealth and finances, uh, I want to hold on to my mouth and I want to keep my wealth. But so, but other people also want to take our money too, right? And this is why we have, you know, so many different ways are derived now. There's so many competing interests that everyone is it wants our money. So we go to the store. It's not that we're going for our own benefit. We're thinking that I'm going grocery shopping. What a favor they're doing to me. But the reality is they have a marketing strategy. They're putting things in certain places. They're competing ultimately to take my money away from me. right? This is this, the whole idea of how credit cards even came up. The, the notion of a credit card, it, it's not, it, we think, oh, this is just a convenience for us. Right? It's not the reality. That's not the reality. The reality is the reason credit cards are around is so that we, are, we spend more than we would have otherwise intended to spend because I don't feel any pain when I'm making a credit card transaction. So now if a, if a company says, hey, we're going to accept a credit card, let's say, you know, I don't know, Kroger says we didn't accept credit cards, now we're going to accept credit cards, but we have to pay a 3% transaction fee every time. To them, it's worth it because you're going to come and even with the money that you don't have, you are not going to, you are not going to somehow give it to them. So the, it's, a, it's, it's very challenging and if people don't make themselves literate when it comes to finances and how people think about finances, etc., then we end up becoming very stressed as a result of it. But we're blessed as believers to have the Qur'an and Sunnah to guide us. So what are some of the major pitfalls when it comes to how we, as a whole, how we deal with our finances? What are some of the ways that we fail and we struggle that makes us ineffective and inefficient with them and it causes us to be extremely stressed? Let's put aside earnings for a minute. Let's put aside how we deal with the money that we have. The first, there are three main things that I'm going to highlight. What One is that we, as human beings, we tend to, and Americans in particular, we tend to spend beyond our means. We tend to spend beyond our means, what we're capable and able to spend. And that creates a tremendous amount of stress for us. Part of it has to do with, um, you know, some of it is spending more than we can actually afford because we see everyone else spending money as well. There's a very interesting study, it was done like oh, not too long ago, and it showed that people that, uh, in, in neighborhoods in which one, uh, a, a household won the lottery, the houses around uh, also started spending more money. Right? I mean, it, it's, it's funny, but that's, uh, people around started spending more money as well. Uh, in general, we tend to be very influenced by what other people around us are doing or what's happening on TV or what people in the community are buying or what people on Instagram and Facebook are posting about the places they went, the things they bought, that we then want to st- spread ourselves too thin and we end up spending beyond our means. And that creates a tremendous amount of stress for us. You know, along, under the same bucket of spending beyond our means, uh, there are, we, we tend to buy things unnecessarily. Right? And that comes into things that we don't need. Impulse buying, for instance. This creates, this, we, we don't think about these, but things, things add up. What is impulse buying? It's that I end up purchasing things with the money that I have, even though I never intended to buy it. 
And corporations have taken full advantage of this. You know, if anyone uses Amazon, after you add a few things to your cart, it begins to ask you, do you want to add this on? Do you want to add this on? Do you want to add this on? You're like, sure, it makes sense. I should add this on. I never had the money to purchase that add-on. I never intended to purchase it. I just decided to add it on. You know, stores are the same way. You know, if you go, when it's time, when you go to the grocery store, you get all your vegetables and fruits and you start, you know, going toward the checkout aisle. Um, there's all these extra things that are in the aisle. Now, they're not there randomly. You know, the things that are there, pair of socks, you know, gum, all these, you know, these, aren't, these things aren't randomly there. They're strategically placed there. They place things there that they know that no one would go and buy in the rest of the store. They're only going to think about it at the point of transaction. Well, you know what? If I'm already spending $30 at the grocery store, why don't I just add on a couple more things? This gum looks good. This piece of chocolate looks good. This magazine I might want to read. These are things I, I wouldn't have even gone to the store to buy, but I start adding on these things. So what, what, what all of these you know, different things do is they... Um, make us buy things that are unnecessary and the deen in general advises us against buying those things that are not necessary and not being deceived by getting things that are not necessary or overpaying for things unnecessarily. Let me give you another example in terms of marketing and how, these, how, how this works. You know, uh, they did this, uh, it was like a study that was done in Arizona where they take, took home, uh, they, they, they made a flyer for a home and on that home, it said that this, and it had like a picture of the house, it had all the amenities, how many bathrooms, square footage, et cetera, et cetera. And they put a listing asking price on there, like $120,000, okay? They took a flyer, and then they made similar flyers, but they put different asking prices. One was $120,000, 130000 140000 150. And then they gave it to four different groups of people. And they asked the people, you know, what, uh, uh, what do you think is the, the value of this home? What do you think is the value of this home? And people were highly influenced by the pricing that was actually placed on the item. So, the, so there was a roughly $30,000 difference in value between the group that got the lowest amount and the group that saw the highest amount. Meaning, there was perceived value because someone put a label on there saying it's worth more. So what, the, the point is that um, there are many ways by which we are deceived into giving away our money. And if we don't understand the principles of how these things work and how these corporations work, we end up stressing ourselves because we spend far more than we intended to spend and far more than we're able to spend. Another, the second you know, major pitfall of how we deal with our finances that creates us a tremendous amount of stress, makes us inefficient and ineffective, is by taking on debt. Is by taking on debt. You know, this is a, this is one of the one of the very, one of the highest causes of stress in this country. Now, debt is very easy to take on in this country, right? It's very easy for me to take on debt when I'm purchasing a car. Very easy when I'm purchasing a home. Relatively easy. If I want to open a credit card, which is basically a means by which I can take on debt, it's very easy. They purposely put your credit limit much higher than is actually affordable for the person because ultimately they make money at the end of the, at the end of the day. But it's this tremendous cause of stress. You know, it's interesting because consumer psychologists, when they talk about debt, they say very clearly, people that take on debt to purchase something, um, the happiness that they get from the item that they purchase with debt will never be able to remove the stress that's caused by the debt that was taken on for that item. This is stuff that's studied in, psych in, human, in uh, consumer psychology. The happiness that comes from the item will never be more or will never be able to erase the stress that comes from the debt of taking on that item. Um, you know, we, people that take on a debt, and again, this, this is important for us as believers, 
People that take on debt have higher, they report higher rates of perceived stress, depression, and blood pressure. Right? People that take on uh, high amounts of death, debt. Now we know our deen teaches us, the Prophet Sallallahu says, uh, Prophet Sallallahu we know this from hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu used to take on small debts for certain uh, purposes, and we know, so we know it's, it's permissible. But he was, he used to make dua, right, that uh, he used to make dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-huzn, and then we said, wa ghalabat al-dayn. He used to make dua from, for, uh, he used to ask, he told, sorry, he made dua, which means we should make dua, that we be protected from being overcome by debt. Wa ghalabat al-dayn. Right? The Prophet said it's another hadith, matlul ghaniyi zulmun, that um, it's, a, it's an oppression to take a debt and have the money to pay that debt back but then not pay it back immediately or not pay it back relatively quickly it's a form of zulm, it's a form of oppression now what happens you know, is that we have these credit card payments that we end up putting interest aside for a moment we have these credit card payments taking on more and more debt and more and more debt it weighs us down, it stresses us eventually we end up having to uh, you know, delay our payments etc now interest compounds, that causes even more stress but the teachings of the Prophet uh, for the wise believer is that we pay off our debt as soon as possible. And we don't take on debt unless it's absolutely necessary. Right? Because it's, an, it's a known cause of stress. So we mentioned one of the pitfalls is that we tend to spend beyond our means. We, second is that we tend to take on debt when we shouldn't be taking on debt and it's unnecessary. The third is, the, a third pitfall when it comes to stress is, when it comes to our finances is that we don't create a cushion for ourselves, like an emergency fund, so to speak. Right? We don't create a cushion for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, they say that 40% of Americans today, if some unexpected cost were to befall them, right, some calamity were to befall them, where they have to somehow come up with $500, right, to make a payment, whatever, car accident, something, some medical cost, something comes up that they didn't plan for, 40% of Americans would not be, would have to take on a loan in order to be able to make that, uh, make that payment. 40%, almost half of Americans would have to take a loan because they haven't prepared themselves for the possibility of some challenge or difficulty. But if we look at the habit of our scholars, right, they were particular about creating a cushion, even financially, because it creates stress. Uh, Mufti Muhammad Shafi, rahimahullah, he would, uh, he's a very famous scholar, Ma'arif al-Qur'an, one of the most famous tafsirs today. He's the author of that tafsir. Uh, it comes uh, in his, um, in, uh, in, in one of the books of his life, that whatever earnings he would receive, 20% of his employment he would set away, and 10% of earnings that came from something other than employment, he would, he would save away, or he would store away. Right? It's not against trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to set aside money for this purpose. Mulana Ashraf Ali Tanawi, you know, one of the great famous scholars of the subcontinent, he used to say that we should, try, we should keep a year's worth of our expenses um, stored away. A year's worth of expenses, like an emergency fund, stored away. Why? Because if we don't, and some difficulty befalls us, then all of a sudden we become very distracted and consumed by that difficulty. When our purpose in life is to worship Allah, and we're weak. So if we have funds saved away in, the, in a rainy day fund, for instance, then we're more likely to maintain our focus on what's important, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We, you know, we aren't the Sahaba who could go days on end without eating, who if they didn't have you know, money, they would have no concern. I might miss a meal or two, the next one's coming. That was the state of the Sahaba, for, but for us, I mean, that's not who we are, right? We, we, we are, um, we're not at that state. 
the, you know, when it comes to the Prophet himself, there are some narrations that mention that he didn't save whatever money he had, you know, he didn't have anything in his savings. But there's other hadith that come, Bukhari and Muslim, that mention that the Prophet had a year worth of provision saved away. Right? If we look at the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, right? An important story that talks, that highlights to us about the importance of, of budgeting and thinking about these, these things. That when the famine was to come to the people of Egypt, and he had this idea that we should save money for seven, year, seven years, not save money, save our wealth, our crop for seven years, so that we're, we're comfortable at, time of, at the time of famine. This is a prophet who is thinking economically about the wealth of a country. In fact, he was, you could say, one of the best economists of the time. You know, he was able to, one, predict the economy, and he says in the, in the Quran, إِنِّي حَفِيظٌ عَلِيمٌ Give me this responsibility. I am, you know, I'm hafiz. Uh, I will take care of this. And on top of that, I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to how to deal with these sorts of things. Right? So we see this even in the example of Yusuf alayhi salam. So, highly effective believers, one of the habits of highly effective believers is they recognize that our finances shouldn't be a means of stress for us. Because we have outlined principles in the Quran and Sunnah that teach us how to protect ourselves from the stress of finances. So, for us as believers, uh, we should stick to the principles that the deen has outlined so that we de-stress ourselves from what, would otherwise, what the rest of the world is suffering from, which is stress related to finance. What are some of the basic principles the deen out- outlines for us? Number one is that we should spend moderately. We shouldn't spend excessively. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, He doesn't like those people that do israf and that spend uh, uh, extravagantly. Or, and he says, That those who spend unnecessarily, right, are those that are the brothers of shaitan, or the, the siblings of shaitan. This is outlined in the Qur'an, that we're careful with how we spend, we spend moderately. The Prophet said, Half of livelihood, half of livelihood is to spend moderately and economically. That's point number one. Number two is that we shouldn't be, the, the deen teaches us not to be wasteful about what we have. You know, if I already have a car that takes care of my needs, I don't need to, to be wasteful and waste, you know, and just because I feel the need to upgrade to a better vehicle that I upgrade for that reason. Certainly, if there's a need to upgrade because the car is getting old, it's requiring repairs, that's a different story. But if I have what I need comfortably, then that's all I need. And I, don't, I won't have to answer for more on the Day of Judgment. The deen highlights to us the importance of spending in charity as a means of, uh, of putting barakah in our wealth. And we're going to talk about that in, in another session. But it highlights to us that, look, there are ways by which we can make the most out of the finances that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Don't chase the rat race that the rest of the world is doing. The deen ta- teaches us, the final point is, it teaches us about budgeting. It teaches us about, you know, for instance, you know, cu- coming up with a monthly a budget for myself and my, my family. Now look, I have fixed costs, you know, car, uh, I have a, my car payment, I have uh, the house payment, I have utilities, we have tuition for the children, I have, you know, that's, that's set aside of money that I have to do. I have a set percentage that I'm going to give in sadaqah and charity. I have a, um, a set amount that goes towards my savings account or towards my retirement plan. Budgeting is in alignment with tawakkul and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We see this through the teachings of our scholars, through the teachings of our prophets, and there's no harm in doing so, and there's benefit in doing so. So people that are... So, so for us, 
we should be mindful about our finances. We should budget accordingly. We should live within our means. We should do all of these things because it allows us to ultimately focus on our true purposes, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that we aren't struggling later and trying to make sense of how am I going to deal with this calamity or this difficulty. So there's two practice points, inshallah, and then we'll summarize the discussion. The first practice point, and I want us to all think deeply about this, right? It's that when we are making purchases, we should use payment methods that allow us to recognize the money that's being spent. Okay? So the way to think about this is, um, okay, let's say that at the, at the beginning of the week, you know, uh, I give you $100. No, I, at the beginning of the day, I say uh, every single day you're going to get $100. Now, when you start the morning, you have $100 in your, in your wallet. You can use it for whatever you need to use it for. You're going to be smart about how you're going to make those purchases. You have a $100 bill. You want to have breakfast. Okay, $20. You go give that money. You get $80 back. Now you have $80. Now you're thinking, well, I have this much money left for, for lunch, this much money left for dinner. Right? Now if I give $50 away at lunch, I'm going to feel the pain of that transaction because I'm going to say, wow, and I only have $30 left for dinner, for gas, for whatever else I need. Now, let's say that at the beginning of the week, we give $1,000. What's going to happen is that we're going to end up spending a lot of that money earlier in the week and then realize later in the week that, wow, I'm really going to be struggling. So what? Uh, so when we pay with cash or when you make transactions with cash, there's more, there tends to be more barakah in it because one, is coming directly from our account. Two, because we're more conscious about how we spend that money. What society has figured out and money uh, people that are desiring to make money have figured out is if we remove the pain that comes with the transaction of paying we'll be able to get more money out of people so that's why a credit card swipe is a lot easier to make than me having to give a hundred dollars at the grocery store I don't feel the pain of a credit card transaction because I don't know just a credit card you swipe it you don't really notice any difference and what ends up happening is at the end of the month you're looking at your bill and you're like wow where did I spend fifteen hundred dollars where did this come from now I'm in stress and if you look, the more of these pay, the more of these methods that are coming forth. Now there's you know contactless pay with your phone. A phone, it's even easier to spend money using our phone, tapping it on something or quickly sending over money because we don't feel any pain from that. Uh, now you know watches have the ability to make payments. The idea is that these that these um, corporations are basically trying to remove any sense that you're giving up your money when you're making a transaction. So. It's important for us to be mindful of this, that if we are going to use methods like this to pay, that we pay things off immediately. The best method of making a payment is cash. If not cash, then debit, because the money comes immediately out of our account, and it's our money, and there's barakah in spending things with our money. By spending things with credit cards and these things, what we're basically doing is borrowing money from a third party, taking that money and then giving it to you know, Walmart or Kroger or Amazon. So there's less barakah because it's not our money. And secondly, we aren't perceiving the pain or the friction that comes with that transaction. We end up spending a lot more than we had anticipated spending. So it's more in line with Dean in general to pay directly. So if possible, we should pay directly. And when we do need to use things like cards and things like that, we should immediately, not wait till the end of the month for the bill and statement to come, immediately every couple of days we should make those payments. Then we'll notice uh, that we're able to budget our finances a lot better. The second is that we should actually, especially those of us that you know, are still earning or are 
beginning to earn, we should actually spend time budgeting. You know how every year we spend time calculating our zakat payments, right? Because it's like it's rewarded. Similarly, we, we should spend time budgeting as well. Thinking that, okay, this is how much money that I need for, for my groceries. This is how much money I need for my car payment. This is how much money I need for my home, for my savings, etc. This is how much money I need to give for sadaqah every single month, a percentage of it. And calculate these things, write them down, and try to stick with the budget as much as possible. And then we know, okay, now we have $500 that we can spend or $300 that we can spend on dinner for the family this month. It will remove stress from our lives. It will, um, uh, it will, um, uh, you know, it, it is expected of us, right, that we, that we budget. And it'll protect us from, uh, from unnecessarily spending in places and, and in areas that we don't need to spend. Now, once we create the budget, then we put our trust in Allah. You know, obviously Allah Ta'ala can give us far more than we budgeted for. He has full control over our wealth, right? I mean, uh, full control over the money that we get. But it is, you know, the suburb of this world or the, the, the way this world works is I recognize that I don't actually make a single penny of mine. Allah gives me whatever I ever earn, whatever I earn. But we know through the sunnah of the universe and the sunnah of the Prophet that I have to act as if I'm actually in control. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a bit ironic. Even though I'm not fully in control, I have to pretend like I'm in control because that's what is expected of me. So, the, that's the, that was the second take-home point. So, just to bring things back full circle, that finan- financial stress is, and, finan- and the burdens that come from finances are a leading cause of stress for people in this, in this, in this country. And, for, and, and that includes us Muslims as well. And those believers that are successful and have successful habits, such as budgeting, for instance, are able to manage that stress by the principles that are outlined in the Quran and Sunnah. So a part of us being effective believers is us being financially literate and understanding where our money comes from, how it should be spent, what are the competing elements that are trying to take money away from me, how am I trying to be deceived from giving money away to things that are unnecessary. Um, and we learn this from the Quran and the Sunnah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us, grant, grant us tawfiq to appreciate the, uh, the lessons when it comes to finances that are present in the Quran and Sunnah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put an abundant, abundant amount of barakah in our wealth and our time. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, um, allow us to uh, budget in such a way that we can, draw our, we can focus our attention on Him and Him alone. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.